0: Welcome to this edition of IFLR's Closing Conditions podcast. My name is Carrie Lai, Interim Editor at International Financial Law Review. My guest today will be Jamie Allen, Secretary General at the Asian Corporate Governance Association. I'll be talking to Jamie about ESG and the role of the board. We'll hear from him about innovations in regulations in addressing the issue, where Asia stands, and the progress that needs to be made. It's good to have you with us, Jamie.
1: Thanks, Carrie. Pleased to be here.
0: To start off, what do you see as the main roles boards can play in ESG oversight?
1: I think Carrie, boards clearly have the primary role in overseeing how companies are addressing ESG issues. And that's not just risks. A lot of the discussion is about risks, but increasingly it's also about opportunities, new businesses, uh, you know, areas where companies can save resources, save energy and so on. So boards don't manage the company they you know they set the strategy they oversee management so really the role of the board is to ensure that the company is addressing uh, esg in a effective way uh, that management has the resources to implement the decisions made uh, by the board and and by senior management Uh, and really to you know to ensure that the company really is considering all the material uh, risks and opportunities that a company faces and that then the board is also ensuring that the company is adapting its you know, governance systems and its structures uh, to, you know, to create the right framework for thinking through how to address these all of these issues. So the board does have a pretty important role to play, uh, but as I say, it's not the manager, the management managers, the board oversees, uh, but the board and management clearly have to work very closely together if this is going to be effective.
0: And how are regulations driving the need for boards to address ESG concerns? And what are other driving factors?
1: Uh, yes, it, it's a mix of regulation and other factors such as market pressure, investor pressure, societal expectations, and consumer behaviour, and so on. Um, so, at the regulatory level, you know, clearly, most markets for many years have had regulations around environment, for example, or around you know social issues and labour. So, companies clearly have to, you know, have to be in compliance with those rules, and there've been you know, the GE part of ESG, the corporate governance part, you know, there are regulations in securities law, in company law, in listing rules, you know, requiring companies to to have certain structures in their board to re- report on certain things. So, um, you know, broadly regulation is a, a very important catalyst for ESG. And when it comes to ESG disclosure <clears throat> and reporting, uh, you know, a lot of what we've seen in this region is really Uh, Not all of it, but a lot of it is driven by governments and stock exchanges, securities commissions coming up with ESG reporting guidelines that companies should follow. But, you know, that just sort of sets the ball rolling. I mean, what really, I think, adds substance to the whole process is when you have shareholders and other relevant stakeholders engaging with companies, putting pressure on companies, you know, setting expectations. And that's really, uh, you know, what incentivizes companies to you know not just to be in compliance with esg rules and regulations but really to try and think about how does you know how does this really affect the business the strategy the operations uh, and so on because at, at, you know at the beginning and end of the day this is really about the impact of real changes in environment society and governance on companies you know climate change is real it's having a real impact and will have a real impact on companies. So it's not, you know, it's not just a compliance exercise.
0: And what sorts of innovations are you seeing when it comes to regulations targeting boards to address ESG issues?
1: It's an interesting question because I think, uh, you know, a lot of the innovation we're seeing comes more from the sort of the corporate sector, you know, and the, you know, the market. but I think, you know, one of, you know, you'd have to give credit on the regulatory side to TCFD, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. So when that came out in 2017, 2018, I mean, that really provided a major step up in how companies could address, you know, their climate reporting. And, you know, TCFD has the four-level framework of governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets. And, you know, it really did actually set sort of the gold standard for how companies could think about and report on the impact of climate on their businesses. Um, You've also seen innovations from the likes of SASB in the US, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, um, you know, focusing more on industry and sectoral matters. Um, You know, you've seen... Um, GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, they've evolved their reporting framework. So, I mean, there have been um, quite a lot of innovations, but not all of that is necessarily regulatory driven. Um, TCFD came from the, uh, you know, from a group of governments, but you know, SASB and um, GRI came arguably more from the market. So, it's a it's a combination of sort of top down and bottom up. I think right now, the you know, the big new innovation is the International Sustainability Standards Board. Uh, You know, which has recently come out and concluded some consultations on their first two standards, and you know, the whole aim there is to create a a globally comparable set of sustainability reporting standards. Um, And at the moment, what we have in Asia is each market has their own reporting standards or guidelines, uh, and it's often difficult for shareholders to really understand, you know, to make to compare the reporting from one market against another because you know, the, the standards and guidance is often very difficult, so often very different. So ISBE, the International Sustainability Standards Board, you know, really, I think, is going to provide a more comparable baseline for reporting. And the other thing about ISBE is it really focuses a lot of attention on enterprise value. So a lot of sustainability reporting in the last 10 or so years has been more of the non-financial type Whereas uh, ISBE focuses, you know, very much and TCFD as well on, you know, what is the impact not just on the non-financial sides of a company, but very much on the financial um, aspects of a company.
0: And where does Asia stand when it comes to boards and ESG? Are there countries that you see as leaders and others as laggards?
1: Well, I think it's fair to say Asia and indeed much of the world, uh, you know, is at an early stage of this. I think it's it's more helpful when you're looking at the board level not to sort of think so much about countries, because no, no country really stands out here, it's more important to look at companies. And what we see in different markets is, you know, there are leading companies who are thinking through um, climate change and sustainability issues. They're adapting their board structures. They're disclosing according to TCFD. Uh, and these tend to be companies, the larger companies, are companies in the most at-risk sector like mining, um, some of the big banks, certainly energy utilities, electricity and so on. Um, And those companies are, you know, often at the forefront of thinking through uh, how how they address climate change and sustainability issues. Um, When it comes to ESG disclosure, however, it is a bit of a different issue. Um, There are some markets in the region, such as Japan, Korea, Taiwan, where, you know, there clearly is a group of companies uh, and, you know, government sort of doing more to drive ESG reporting. Uh, taiwan several years ago for example made gri reporting uh, mandatory uh, for certain types of companies and the laggards interestingly were places like hong kong singapore which didn't put so much emphasis on it but hong kong singapore um, are certainly coming up the the learning curve in the last few years and you're starting to see a more even um, uh, sort of keel between uh, the different markets around the region and there's a much stronger focus uh, not not an even focus in each market but certainly a much stronger regulatory focus in terms of ESG disclosure, uh, and now that we're getting the International Sustainability Standards Board um, regulations coming, or well, not regulations but standards coming through, uh, you know, I think that's going to drive even more um, sort of comparability in terms of ESG disclosure across the region.
0: That's great to hear. What are the biggest weaknesses for boards in ESG oversight?
1: I think perhaps the first thing is not thinking about this hard enough and early enough you know you do see many boards that don't appear to have really thought this through at all um you know they you look at their esg disclosure from the companies and often it's sort of rather box ticking type disclosure uh you know they may disclose certain types of metrics and targets around emissions but you know they don't seem to really thought through how this is going to affect their business operations long term or indeed their their corporate strategy um so I think the first thing is really you know, having, a, having a strategy, thinking it through, and then you know, how do you need to adapt as a company? Uh, I think another weakness is you know, not having the right skills in the board to really ask the right questions. You know, whether or not boards need to appoint executive or independent directors who actually have specific sustainability skills is, is a question, but at least they should be undergoing the right training uh, to understand what the issues are and really understand what the reporting requirements are. Because companies, you know, you probably hear companies complaining about the alphabet soup uh, of reporting. You know, you've got GRI, you've got SASB, you've got TCFD, you've got the local standards in each market. You know, it can be very confusing for companies uh, to sort of understand what these different standards are. But, uh, you know, what we've always said to companies is, look, don't be afraid of reading these standards. They're not quite as complicated necessarily as they may appear. Um, I think the TCFD framework is, you know, is actually quite clear. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a good standard to follow. Um, and so, you know, it's really reading, you know, what the standards require, and then starting to think about how you, um, you know, how you comply with them. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, perhaps underestimating the, you know, the challenges in gathering data that has integrity. I mean, it does take, you know, some time to really get the right data. Uh, so start as early as possible and, you know, give yourself a longer, long lead time to sort of really gather the data because it, it can be a multi-year process. And then, you know, when you do an ESG report, you know, not having it assured, you know, from our perspective is a problem. You really do need either... A, Professional auditing firm or a, a specialist consultancy, you know, looking at your report and auditing and verifying it and assuring it for the for the reader, and that's something actually that regulators, I think, have been laggards in. That they've always said, you know, assurance is voluntary. Um, please do it, but it's it's not mandatory. But we think, you know, over time, it is going to be necessary, and you know, ultimately, will become mandatory.
0: You mentioned training earlier, and that's a very important component for boards and ESG. So, what areas should this training be focused on? Well, I
1: think broadly understanding, uh, for example, climate change—you know what it means uh, for your business, what it means in your market. You know, understanding the Paris Agreement targets, uh, understanding you know how the different scenarios of one point five or two degrees or higher—you know how that could affect your economy, how that could affect your company. Um, you know, and really understanding what scenario analysis is, for example, that's an important part of the TCFD and now the ISBE um, standards. Uh, and, you know, scenario analysis by all accounts is quite difficult for companies to do. So, um, you know, having, a, having some training around that would be important. Having some training around the greenhouse gas protocol, the scope one, two, and three emissions, you know, what does that mean? You know, how do you gather the data? Uh, How then do you work with your suppliers and your customers to try and minimize, uh, you know, the impact of your carbon emissions? Um, So there's a whole, you know, there's a range of, um, you know, sort of broad, high level, I would say, climate and sustainability issues that you need to understand. There's the more technical aspects of thinking through your response. Uh, And then an important part also is, you know, how do you then think about the impact of all of this on your financial um, position and performance and you know one thing we notice, which is quite interesting i think is that uh, a couple of years ago there was guidance from the ifrs foundation in london that sets the international financial reporting standards and also the iasb in new york that sets the auditing standards they both of them said look you know climate risk may not be explicitly mentioned in accounting standards or auditing standards but if it is material then it needs to be included in your you know in your accounting process you need to apply the accounting standards to you know any asset that could be affected by climate change so you know that's an area i think there needs to be quite a lot of education in because we don't see uh, a lot of companies in asia really thinking through how climate for example is going to impact uh, you know their financial statements and their financial performance so you know th- there's clearly a need for for quite a bit of education in that. And I think that's a really important basis for then, you know, adopting the international sustainability standards later, because those, as I mentioned, very much focus on enterprise value. Uh, And whilst the ISBE standards are not accounting standards, you know, they do have implications for financial reporting. So, you know, but the the starting point should really be the existing accounting auditing standards and how those should be applied to you know to climate risk at the moment
0: that's great and what are some best practices boards can adopt to ensure that they are addressing esg issues
1: well it's a bit hard to sort of come up with a checklist because it's early days and you know we're not entirely sure sort of what good necessarily looks like and different companies have different approaches so i think you know we're in a phase of people are experimenting but you know there are some um, practices emerging that do appear to be um, you know useful to many companies and you know one of those is having a um, a sustainability or an ESG committee at your board or if you don't have that then you know at least have your audit and, and or your risk committee you know taking ownership of you know your whole climate and sustainability strategy so you do need you know I think you do need a specialist committee uh, or at least you need a, a committee in your board that is really thinking through these issues uh, in detail and then reporting back to the board Another thing is, you know, a, a sustainability committee or a climate committee in your senior management. Uh, you know, that's something that many companies are starting to adopt. And then clearly, that committee works closely with the board committee in setting strategy and deciding, you know, how to address all of these issues. And then what you also what we're also seeing is companies setting up uh, cross divisional or cross departmental um, sort of working groups, action groups, action plans sort of making sure that the whole company is involved. It's not not enough just to set up a board committee and then a senior management committee and then you can forget about it. I mean, clearly you need all of the divisions in your company uh, involved. Um, And, you know, this is where integrated reporting, which is the UK idea, can be very useful because, you know, to do integrated reporting, you really do need to bring all the divisions, you know, of your company together um, and, you know, thinking through all, you know, all of these sustainability issues. So... So those are some of the the better practices, and of course, on the reporting side, um, you know, you do. It's useful to have a you know a clear report on TCFD. You know that is useful um, for you know, for your shareholders and, and other stakeholders. Um, and yeah, thinking through, you know, what do you you have your annual report? You know, you have your sustainability report. Do you need any additional reporting, or you know, can you include your climate or TCFD reporting? into your sustainability report. So, you know, it's different companies have different solutions, um, but, you know, clearly having clear and transparent reporting is, you know, is what the, the market and, you know, what the sort of stakeholders are looking for. Um, so thinking through the disclosure and, you know, making sure that disclosure is then assured, um, you know, I think is, is really important.
0: Yeah, definitely lots to think through. Um, So those are all the questions I have for today. Do you have anything else you want to share?
1: Uh, I think that's about it. I think I've covered pretty much everything (laughs) I wanted to say on the topic.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jamie. It's been great talking to you.
1: Thanks, Carrie. Nice to talk to you.